Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church of Salt Lake City uh, to our virtual worship service here today. I pray that you are feeling blessed this morning as we uh, gather in this unique way for our worship this morning. Uh, this morning is Communion Sunday, which we do on the first Sunday of every month. And so I invite you uh, in preparation for that to go and uh, grab yourself something to represent the bread or the body of Christ and something to represent the cup or the or the blood of Christ, and uh, we will we will be sharing communion together. That symbolic ceremony at the end of the service today. In the meantime, why don't we open up in prayer this morning? Our loving and gracious God, as we do gather our hearts together on this, the Lord's day, to honor Jesus, to praise you, to thank you, to uh, recommit ourselves to you, and to hear what you have to say to us from our scriptures. We just invite your Holy Spirit to be in our hearts, to reveal yourself to us, and to get us ready for the week ahead. We ask all this in the name of Christ. Amen. This morning our text comes to us from the book of Ruth, and so I'd invite you to turn with me, if you will, to Ruth 1, and I'll be reading 1 through 18. It's 
going to be a long one, so hang in there with me. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Maltion and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem of Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took Moabite wives, and the names of the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, so that the women were left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard that in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the, with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they, went, they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they, can, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where I go, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. This is a story about loss, about pain and anger. It's a story about loyalty and kindness. It's a story about providence and hope. And this is a story about two people whose lives went a direction they never thought they would go. This is not where Naomi or Ruth ever expected to be. It starts with Naomi, who likely never expected to leave her home, Bethlehem, which in Hebrew means house of bread. But a famine uprooted her and her children, and they went to a foreign land. And not just any foreign land either, but to Moab, 
The Moabites are a forbidden and condemned people, according to Deuteronomy 23 in the Hebrew Bible. Not only did they live there, but their sons married Moabite women. And there are all kinds of laws against that kind of thing. Then tragedy strikes. The three men in this story, Naomi's husband and her two sons, all die. Naomi, at this point, no doubt, feels that Yahweh is somehow punishing her for being in Moab and for marrying her sons to foreign women. She as much as accuses God of this when she says, The Lord's hand has turned against me. And this is understandable given the laws against it. And this seems to be a natural response for all people of faith. When bad things happen and we find ourselves in a struggle, and, and we're often inclined to think that somehow our past sins are responsible for all that is coming, uh, coming to us in this time. That God has somehow orchestrated these events in order to punish us, punish us or teach us a lesson. I want to say that I really do not think that is what is going on here or any time. And this is not a text that supports that. I think it just feels that way. So often when we are in one bad situation after the next, it starts to feel like there has got to be something out there that is trying to get me. We want to blame someone and God is very convenient. The reality is that sometimes our bad fortune is a result of our own bad decisions. Sometimes we put ourselves in harm's way. And sometimes there are other people who bear some of the blame as well. People who have taken advantage or misled or deliberately deceived someone. But I am certain that is not the case as often as we think it is. But other times, and most often, I think things just happen. There is no one to blame. No one is at fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Or even if you are guilty of some awful sin somewhere in your past, it has nothing to do with the misfortune that you're experiencing right now. I don't know which is true for Naomi, but I do not believe that these three men were killed by God as a punishment against them and Naomi. Furthermore, there is nothing in this scripture that even suggests that. That very idea goes against everything Christ seemed to be saying about the nature of God, God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy. I think it's just bad Christian theology. So Naomi, in her despair, seeks to find security by returning to her home in Bethlehem, where the famine seems to have ended. There she will start over and find a new path. Wanting the same for her daughters-in-law, she implores them to go back to their homes as well. And Orpah just does just that. But Ruth refuses to go. The text says that she clings to Naomi and then makes this covenant. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried, and may the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. 
It's important to understand some of what Ruth has signed up for. Naomi has nothing. She has no home. She has no husband. She has no children. She's returning from a forbidden land. Furthermore, she's bringing a Moabite woman with her. Ruth and Naomi are not likely to be well-received with open arms. But Ruth goes into it with eyes wide open. Out of love for Naomi, Ruth adopts Naomi's religion and vows to follow her and her God, Yahweh, until death. It is no wonder this passage is often quoted at weddings. The deep bond of love between these two women is a model of what lifelong committed relationships look like. Once again, this story is about two people clinging to each other in their grief and somehow finding their way. It's a story about God working all things together for good. It's a story about someone who traveled far from home and then returned. Yet unlike our favorite parable, the prodigal son, Naomi brings someone home with her. It's a story about how the black and whiteness of the world is confused in the kingdom of God. And it's a reminder that even when the circumstances of our life seem bleakest, when it feels like God is up to some kind of skullduggery or that we are being tricked or it feels as though we are being punished, the events that unfold may prove to be just the opposite. What begins feeling like a punishment may ultimately turn into a blessing. Here again, I don't think that God... Uh, killed off the men folk in this family to bring about the destiny of these two women. But I think the thread of God's presence is found in every event. God was with them when they chose to pack up and seek a land where they could sustain themselves, giving them strength and courage to not just give up. God was with them when their sons were of marrying age and the two women that suited them best were Moabite women. No doubt Naomi and Elimelech fretted and mourned over this decision, but in the end, it is what was best. And when tragedy struck and Naomi lost everyone in her immediate family, God wept with her and her daughters-in-law. Naomi could have just given up at this point, and many of us do when it gets to be too much And we feel overwhelmed. But she didn't. She said, no, I will go home and try to start over. Yes, she did not go home alone, even though that was her intention. All of the tragedy that put her on this path resulted in the incredible blessing of Ruth, a faithful and loving companion who would be Naomi's saving grace. Naomi, wanting to ensure Ruth's future, played matchmaker for her. between her and Boaz, bringing them together. And if you read through the genealogy of Jesus listed in Matthew, you will see that Ruth and Boaz are in the family tree that gave us Jesus. Another example of how you may never know what blessings we do not see in the future. Through the most difficult times of our life, we are often blind to the possibilities of where things can go or that things ultimately can turn around. But often those bleakest times yield the most amazing miracles. Relationships that touch our lives 
like the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. Hard decisions that shape who we are and what we are about. Living in Moab gave this family a different way of looking at the people of Moab. They were given the gift of getting beyond their prejudices. Strength that you never knew you had to get through and to get by. Gratitude you never knew was possible within you as you come out of the struggle and see a new day. What this story acknowledges is that we are shaped and formed by our experiences, good and bad. And that God is present and active in the midst of those experiences, good and bad. I feel like I've been saying this every week, but we are living in strange times. But it will be interesting to see the blessings that will come out of these difficulties in the years to come. In the meantime, I encourage us all to seek the guidance and comfort of God in Christ as we go through all of this together. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we are just grateful for the ways in which you turn our biggest failures and our most deep sorrows and our our insurmountable difficulties into a blessing. Uh, May you continue to do that and may we open ourselves up to those blessings and be led by you and find our joy in who you are. In the name of Jesus we pray. This morning is Communion Sunday, which we celebrate the first Sunday of every month. And it is a time of remembering uh, Jesus and remembering all that Jesus taught, all that Jesus lived out in his life, and all that Jesus has been for the world 
since the resurrection. It's also a time of commitment and a time of promise. A time of remembering that not only was Jesus alive and well and doing ministry 2,000 years ago, but Jesus is alive and well and doing ministry in you and in me. And when we celebrate communion, we are symbolically committing ourselves to being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this world today. The symbolism of Jesus' body and blood becoming a part of who we are uh, symbolizes that very act of saying, I am the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus is with me and working through me. And working through all who call Jesus friend. And so I invite us now to uh, keep that in mind as we come to this, the Lord's prayer, the Lord's table. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, we do invite your Holy Spirit to be at work inside of our hearts as we come to this, your bread and your cup, and we remember who you are in the past and who you are in the world today. And we take this opportunity to commit ourselves to following your ways. We ask all this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it, saying, This is my body, given for you. Jesus also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Now may the Lord go with you, abide within you, and work through you, today and forevermore. Go in the love and the hope and the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, and God bless.